Well, we are now going to spend some time hearing from God, reading from His Word. So uh, we're going to be reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 5. Please feel free to go grab a Bible and read along with me. 1 Peter chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, friends, let me add my welcome to that of Grant and Mel's before. And before I get into the passage in front of us, I just want to let you know that over the next few weeks, some of the staff will be having some holiday time just to give us time to recover from what has been a hectic time and prepare for Christmas and all that comes with that. Although there is uh, nowhere to go, uh, sometimes just shutting off for a week can be really helpful. So uh, Ness Hughes will be on holidays from tomorrow uh, until the 9th of September, and I'll also have a week of leave from tomorrow until Monday the 6th of September. I'll leave you in the very capable hands of Stu Holman and the rest of the staff team if you do have any pastoral needs. I'll let you know more about others in the coming weeks. But let's get into God's Word. Since the beginning of this letter, Peter has been speaking to the Christians about the Christian life, and one that is different from the world around. In chapter 1, verse 1, he calls his readers to be strangers in the world and reminds us in verses 3 to 9 that our internal inheritance is not of this world, but found in the world to come. He's trying to get us to lift our eyes from this world, to focus on the heavenly reality and let this dictate our lives. In chapter 1, verse 17, he again urges his readers to live as strangers in this world. He highlights that many activities of the world are sinful desires that war against the soul in chapter 2, verse 11. Peter's been 
very specific about these things throughout the letter. But rather, those who follow Christ are to be those who live as heavenly citizens. We're to be those who are not only living out this life in this earthly tent, we should see it as temporary, not as our eternal home. But Peter then reminds his readers in verse 2 of chapter 2 that they are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation who belong to God. That is, we do not belong to this world or the people of this world, but we belong to God. And so in verse 11 of chapter 2, he urges uh, his readers to live as aliens and strangers in this world. Can, can you see this common theme that Peter's getting uh, here throughout the letter? We're not meant to be friends with the world or the ways of the world, but we're to be different. We're to be strangers. He concludes in verse 2 of chapter 4 that this earthly life is not meant to be the one that we use to fulfill our earthly desires, but rather to do the will of God. And so as we approach this passage today, we need to keep this in mind because in it, Peter continues to urge his readers to live differently from the world around them and to live as someone who is a citizen of heaven, to be those who do the will of God. And today we'll be challenged as to whether this is how we're living. Peter looks specifically at the leaders of God's church in this regard, but also applies uh, these principles to us all. And in this way, it's my hope that as we bring this whole book together, all that we've been looking and all that God has been teaching us, uh, that this will be of great encouragement to us now. So let me pray as we come and look at this passage today. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and look at your word today. We pray that by your spirit, you will teach us what it means to live as those who are aliens and strangers in this world what it means to have those uh, who lead us, lead us in the most appropriate and godly ways and give us this ability, Heavenly Father, to even during this challenging time, be living for you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, firstly, Peter says as Christians, we need to have elders who serve rather than lording it over those under their care. Who are the elders of the church today? Well, probably the closest thing that we have to elders today in the Sydney Anglican Church are those who have been ordained as presbyters, those who are set aside to be senior ministers of the church and those who are bishops. For St Andrews, this is really looking particularly at myself, at Stu Holman or our bishop, Chris Edwards. But as we look at these principles, they're not just applicable to those who might, we might say are elders, but to all who would be leaders of the church, for all who would desire to become leaders in the church. So notice there that Peter starts off in verse 1 of chapter 5 by appealing to other leaders of the church as fellow elders. Now notice Peter's credentials. Peter's witnessed the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's one who will share in the coming glory. He knows who he is before Christ. And in one sense, I feel that Peter's sort of bringing himself down a few levels to call him a fellow elder. Surely Peter's the great apostle, the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Well, actually, no, Peter considers himself an equal to all who lead the church, all who suffer for Jesus, and for all who share in the coming glory. He's known better, no more worthier. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who is the head of the church, not Peter, not a single human being. And St. Andrew's is not my church, nor does it belong to Chris Edwards at the end of the day. We are accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ as to how we run the church. And so Peter is speaking with the elders of the church and saying to them, be shepherds of your flock. That is, tend your flock. Look after those who are in your care. 
But notice the way that he says that we are to do this. It's by serving. Can you see there in verse 3? Serving, not lording it over those entrusted to you. I've been listening recently to the podcast on the rise and fall of the megachurch Mars Hill in Seattle, and particularly the role that Mark Driscoll played in all of this. Maybe you have been listening to this too. As someone who used to listen to Mark Driscoll's preaching, read his books, and even spoke with him at a breakfast in a conference that I was at with him in late 2008, Mark was someone that I looked up to as a leader of the church. What I heard about his church really impressed me. However, when I visited his church in Seattle in 2009 and spoke to some of the other elders of the church, the shine started to rub off. It seemed that what he was saying about his church publicly was not reflected in what they were actually doing. There was no accountability for Mark. There was no backup plan if Mark left. The church seemed to revolve around Mark Driscoll rather than around Jesus. I was disillusioned with the ministry and didn't think much about Mark nor the church until 2014 when Mark left ministry. Now, as this podcast reflects back on Mark's ministry at the church, it's quite clear that Mark was far from a servant leader. In fact, he lauded his position over the church. It's confronting and sad to see how far away from this teaching a minister can go when power and authority is abused. Sadly, Mark Driscoll is not the only minister that this has happened to. He was not a servant leader, but he was domineering. But what does this passage, what does Peter clearly remind us of what elders of the church are to be like? When it comes to any leadership at St. Andrews, what do we need to continue to base our reasons for choosing anyone to lead? What does Peter teach us here? He teaches that to be an elder in God's church, you need to be a servant, not getting your own way in the church, uh, not, not uh, abusing the position, but serving others within the church, like a shepherd watching over a flock. Now, a shepherd looks after the sheep by taking them places uh, where they get fed and they get refreshed, sometimes places they don't want to go, nor the way that they like. That is, the shepherd must speak God's word to his people so that they can be fed and refreshed by God's word. This is my job, to lead you to God's word so you can feed on it and be refreshed by it and through this grow. A shepherd must protect the flock from threats, from bears and from wild animals. That is, I'm also to point out to you false teaching, sheep in wolves' clothing, and through God's word and the work of his Holy Spirit, protect you spiritually. So we pray for you as a staff team. God is our best protection against this. A shepherd here is to guide his people, and on occasion, this means prodding them in the right direction. That is, I'm to be speaking to you clearly and faithfully from God's word, even from the bits that are hard, so that we can all be heading in the right direction spiritually. Peter says, this is what the elders of the church must be like. Now, to call the leader of a church a shepherd doesn't simply imply that those who are part of the church are blind sheep, believing everything that is taught. No, this is why we do Q&A most weeks. This is why the ministry team are accessible and print our phone numbers on the news so you can contact us and question us and we can discuss and learn these things together. You see, an overseer must be accountable as well. And so Peter says to those who are elders, those who are leading the church, be an overseer of your people. Notice the qualities he lists in verses 2 to 3. Not greedy for money, eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to your flock. 
Notice that these are all self-sacrificial attributes. Doing what is best for your sheep at the sake of your own well-being. In addition, they must recognize that there is this chief shepherd who is over them, who one day they will give an account to, and who one day will give them a reward. So actually an elder, the, the shepherd, is not the chief shepherd acting with no accountability, but he's accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ and so must act accordingly. And so Peter concludes by saying, those who are younger, particularly, be submissive to the elders of the church. You see, Peter knows that young adults are full of ideas and keen to step up and do what they think is right. I know all about this. I can remember when I was young, it's a long time ago, in my early 20s, thinking that I knew exactly the right way of doing things and that everyone else was wrong. But as I've grown up, I've made mistakes, I've been refined, and I can now see the wisdom of what Peter is saying here. In our church, we have a lot of wisdom from many years of experience in ministry. For those who are young and keen in ministry, we need you. We need you to be full of ideas. We need you to be full of ways of doing ministry that we haven't done over the past years. But we also need you to listen to Peter's words and be submissive to those who do lead you so that the hindsight of years in ministry can help refine you for your sake and glory. Well, friends, in the next part of the chapter, we see that Peter moves on from speaking to elders specifically in the second half of verse 5 and speaks more generally to all his readers about living their lives as Christians. And he firstly says, all of you be humble. That is, don't think of yourself better than you are, but rather clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of a way of relating towards one another, to clothe yourselves, to, to put on humility when you gather to meet one another. Don't come with the attitude of, I'm right and everyone else is wrong, but come thinking, how can I serve and love my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I love them in every situation? We should be like this because God will oppose those who are proud, but he will give grace to those who are humble. And see there in verse 6, he will lift them up. Can you see that humility is a characteristic that God desires of his people? It is God who will lift people up. This is not our job. It's not the job of the individual, especially when it comes to eldership. I actually can remember when Mark Driscoll, this ex-pastor of Mars Hill, was accused of buying his own books in order to get on the number one bestseller list to make himself popular. This is not right, is it? Nor should we be on about self-promotion in order to make ourselves look good. We are all one in Christ. There is no one who is better than the other. And so Peter says, because of this, don't think of yourself as being better, but rather humble yourself. Through this, let God do the work of lifting you up rather than you doing it yourself. See there in verse 7, Peter continues on saying, and uh, cast all of your anxieties on him. Do you have concerns in this life? Well, sure, we've got lots at the moment now, don't we? Do you have hurts that you're carrying around and problems that you just can't seem to resolve? Peter says you can cast your concerns on God. This echoes the words of Paul when he says in Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Brothers and sisters, we must pray. Pray to God and cast your concerns on him. Hand them over to him and trust that he will do what is right in your life. Prayer shows that reliance upon God. And, and as we hand things over to him, he's the one who can help us. Now, friends, at the moment, we're running two prayer meetings on Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. for 30 minutes. It would be wonderful to see more people joining us and, and putting our prayer requests before God. 
The link is in the news. Well, as we hand things over to God, this may not mean him answering prayers in a way that, that we want. Uh, it's often not a quick fix to our problems. I'm sure we've all been praying about coming out of this lockdown uh, quicker, but it's just not happening quickly. But if we can genuinely cast our problems on him through prayer, well, then we won't worry about them so much. We need to let him carry some of the burdens for us and help him to give us clarity when things are hard. Well, finally, Peter says, be self-controlled and alert in verses 8 to 11. Watch out, Peter is saying, because there is a real threat of the enemy prowling around looking to destroy our faith. It is, it's the voice in our head that says, this is all too hard. I wish I was more comfortable in this life. Uh, there's an easier way. Does God's word really say that? Does God really love you if you suffer? Uh, the devil is prowling around and, and, and getting us to doubt God's goodness, getting us to doubt God's word, getting us to doubt that God is on, his, uh, on our side. In fact, he's been doing this ever since the Garden of Eden. But look what Peter says. Resist him. Stand firm. Trust in God's word. Be self-controlled. Be alert to the way that the devil works. Friends in churches that I've been in in the past, whenever the church is going well, the devil looks to get a foothold amongst us, bringing division and the like. We are a church that is having an impact in the community, and there is nothing more that the devil desires than seeing our ministry here derailed. So let me urge you to combat this by listening to the words of Peter here, that God desires us to know. Persevere through suffering. Elders, be, be servant leaders. Humble yourself. Cast your anxieties on him. Be self-controlled. And if you do this, see there in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Friends, after we have suffered for a little while, God will restore us. God will make us strong and firm and steadfast. God will do this to you. It is, it is a promise. And so our response should be to praise him as Peter does. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, Peter concludes this book in verses 12 to 14 with some final greetings. He uses Silas as a witness of all that he's writing to show the authenticity of his work and sends love from the church in Rome. This reference to Babylon here refers to Rome, which is the new Babylon, the, the new center of power and of government that he's standing against the kingdom of God. Well, friends, let me try and bring all of this together. What are we to do with this book of 1 Peter? Throughout the book, Peter has been urging his readers to live differently than the world around them, to live not for themselves, but to live for God. So let me urge you to do the same. Living for God means making things that are a priority to God a priority in our lives. It means knowing what God's word says knowing the salvation that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in him, becoming his disciples by identifying ourselves as followers of him in what we do and what we say and how we obey his commands, and then applying this to our lives. And that means trusting in his word more than we trust in the advice of the world around us, seeing suffering for being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ as a time of rejoicing as God refines us to be more like him. So friends, let me urge you to stand up for Jesus in your household, in the way that you live according to his word, in the way that you speak about him, and the way that you live out his word, in fact, in everything that you do. Support the elders in the church as they look to humbly lead you, 
and elders and other leaders throughout the church, do not use your position to lord over others, but humbly serve God's church. Humble yourself and cast your anxieties on the Lord Jesus Christ and be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because the God of grace, who has called you into his eternal glory, will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. It's this hope that we started, remember? At the very beginning of the book of 1 Peter, with this wonderful hope that will never spoil, fade or perish. And now we finish the book with this same hope that one day we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, restored on the precipice of eternal, eternal glory with an inheritance that will never spoil, fade or perish. Friends, don't get caught in these earthly moments and lose sight of this wonderful goal because it's as we focus more on this, it will impact our lives now and the lives of those around us. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this awesome news of the gospel, this awesome hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that that will, as we know that and love this, and, and as we live by it, that it will impact our lives now. Humble us, Heavenly Father, before you. Help us to serve and love you in all that we do, and our brothers and sisters in, in Christ around as well. But Father, we need your spirit, and we need your strength to help us to live this way. And so we pray that you'll give these to us in Jesus' name. Well, as Mal mentioned, we do often have time for questions after the talk. So please do uh, feel free to send through those questions to this phone. The number, I believe, is on the screen uh, right now. So make the most of that. I've um, got a couple that have already come through. So let me, um, let me ask you, Mal. Um, the first one is to, to paraphrase. Um, you spoke at the beginning about how leaders are to be servant-hearted um, people, but then also how um, being an elder also... Um, involves the responsibility of having to prod people and take them places that they might ne not necessarily want to go. How do we hold those two things together? Yeah, thanks, Grant. I, I think this is where it's really important that uh, our leaders know God's word and focus on God's word and teach God's word and use God's word as they lead. Uh, where I've seen leaders uh, uh, go wrong in the past is they've gone outside of God's word and said, just trust me, just listen to me in, in what I say and have led people um, using godly language but actually not basing what they teach upon God's word. And so we want uh, our leaders to be focusing their lives and building their lives on God's word and teaching what is in accordance with God's word. And through this, they'll be able to lead because God's word is what will be driving them, uh, not their own agenda. That's great. Um, kind of off the back of that one, um, this question's come through. What are the avenues for raising concerns with leadership in brackets, if we have any? Yeah, totally. Uh, look, if it's anyone to do with leadership apart from me, then come to me. Uh, that's really important, and, uh, and I'll look to address those. But if it's to do with me, uh, go, to the, go to the bishop, um, and uh, there are definitely avenues uh, and particularly, I really want to uh, highlight the importance of the Professional Standards Unit of the Diocese of Sydney. Um, this is an important uh, organisation where if you have some real concerns about ministers breaking faithfulness in ministry, uh, that we should be taking our uh, concerns to them. There's a hotline that, uh, that uh, you can go to. You just need to look up their website. Uh, and we really want to be accountable, especially here at St Andrews. We want to be accountable and we want to make sure that our ministry team uh, is serving us in the, in the correct way. So there are avenues. Please use them. Fantastic. Mm. Um, thanks for the talk, Elder Mal.
Maybe that's a new way, new way of addressing Mal from now on. I'll certainly get on board with that one. Um, shepherding sounds challenging. Thanks for your example of humility. How can we pray for you this week? Oh, that is, that is wonderful. Well, I am uh, taking this week off, so just pray for rest. I, I'm really tired. I slept for 10 hours last night and woke up exhausted. Uh, and so just pray that I'll get lots of chance to, uh, to sleep and to spend in God's word. Uh, um, I really want to grow myself, and, so, and I really want to found my life on God's word. So pray that I get to uh, have good times there. Thank you. That's really wonderful. That is really lovely. Um, final one. You talked to the end about um, how we might live um, our lives in light of these realities from the passage. Do you have any practical um, encouragements for us as how we might do that going forward, perhaps even um, in these strange times that we're living in right now? Yeah, look, I think one step at a time. Uh, I think uh, as we look at these passages, we could look at something like humility and you know, just try and work on that, say, for a week. How am I, how am I being humble? How am I uh, representing that to my family and friends? Uh, lockdown is hard, and so there's pressures on us and there's hardship on us. Okay, how can I turn this into a, a time where I can uh, actually be, be humble in the way that I approach uh, my family and my friends? Um, how can I be reaching out to others uh, in, in this sort of time? Uh, so I guess I'd say one step at a time, and I'd say picking up a principle that we, uh, uh, that we find in this passage, uh, one principle at a time, and just working on them slowly. And uh, the best way is to pray, isn't it? Pray that God will actually change us in this way uh, as we, we reflect on trying to do it ourselves as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mel.